Welcome to the King Truth Podcast, dedicated to everything in the black community. Here's your host, King Truth. Welcome to King Truth Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, King Truth, and we are here today with another episode. So as a community, a question always comes up. What is our approach to get the things we deserve from the community we are in? Now, this is a good question. And of course, we cannot get on the same page when it comes to our approach. And this is um, nothing new when it comes to the fight for equality and justice in this country. Whether it's the argument between Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois. See, Booker T. Washington preached the philosophy of self uh, self help and racial solidarity and accommodate uh, accommodation. He um, he what he did was he urged blacks to accept discrimination for the time being and concentrate on elevating ourselves through the hard work and material prosperity that we could gain from doing it ourselves. He also believed in education in, you know, crafts like art and and a different trade Uh industrial education and getting farming skills and the cultivation of the virtues of patience, enterprise, and thrift. Um, He believed that we could gain our economic independence, our economic justice by doing for us instead of seeking somebody else to do for us as well. So with this, he said um, we would win the respect of whites in America, and that would lead to African-Americans being fully accepted as citizens and integrated into the stratosphere of society. So by us accepting uh, discrimination, accepting what is going on and just focus on us gaining our own, um, gaining our own prosperity by hard work and elevating ourselves that way, then we would be accepted into society. Well, that was different than what W.E.B. Du Bois um, talked about. W.E.B. Du Bois advocated political action. And what with the political action, he also said that we needed to come up with a civil rights agenda. Thus, this is how the NAACP was founded. 
And in that, he also argued that social change could be accomplished by developing the small group of college-educated blacks he called the Talented Ten. And this is what W.E.B. Du Bois said about the Talented Ten. He said, the Negro race, like all races, is going to be saved by its exceptional men. The problem of education then amongst Negroes must first, uh, first of all deal with the Talented Ten. It is the problem of developing the best of the race that they may guide the mass away from the contamination and death of the worst. So what W.E.B. Du Bois was saying was we need to be politically active. We need to come up with an agenda and we need the small group of the educated blacks, the talented 10th to lead the movement. Okay. So you had that argument right there, that the two contrasting philosophies at the same time, Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois. Well, during the same time that you had this argument going on between Marcus, uh, between W.E.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington, you also had the same disagreement between W.E.B. Du Bois and Marcus Garvey. Now, Marcus Garvey believed that the white society would never accept black Americans as equals. So he called for the separate self-development of African-Americans within the United States. So he started the organization, the UNIA, um, which is a pan-Africanist group. And with the UNIA, Marcus Garvey set up small owned businesses, small black owned businesses, such as restaurants, groceries, a publishing house. And he even had a toy company that made black dolls. And his goal was to create a separate economy and society ran for and by African-Americans. Now. Ultimately. Marcus Garvey argued that all blacks in the world should return to their homeland in Africa, which should be free of white colonial rule. Garvey had plans for settling black Americans in Liberia, which was at the time the only country in Africa governed by Africans. But the UNIA lacked the necessary funds and few blacks in the United States indicated any interest of going back to Africa. So what Marcus Garvey did was he went to the South. He needed to recruit members in the South. And while in the South, Marcus Garvey met with the letter of the the, the leader of the Ku Klux Klan in Atlanta in 1922. Now he expressed that the UNIA and the KKK had the same plan, which was completely separate black and white societies. And Marcus Garvey even argued and praised racial segregation laws, explaining that they were good for building black business. So that was the argument between W.E.B. Du Bois and Marcus Garvey Marcus Garvey agreed more with Booker T. Washington, which is why he came 
to the United States from Jamaica um, was to meet up with Booker T. Washington, but Booker T. Washington had already passed away. So those were the one set of disagreements that we've had in the community on how we are going to approach this fight. So the next thing, the next one was, I mean, everybody knows this one, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And that argument, it was played out in the media. Um, So the differences between the two was King advocated nonviolent direct action and passive resistance to achieve equal civil rights. But Malcolm X was the spokesperson for the nation of Islam, the black Muslim movement, which violently rejected white America and its Christian values and preached the supremacy of blacks over white. Malcolm X also promoted a segregationist approach that sought to instill in blacks a pride in their African heritage. Whereas Martin Luther King believed that self-respect would come through integration. Uh, Dr. King once told, you know, the newspapers that the method of nonviolent resistance is one of the most potent, if not the most potent weapon available to oppress people in their struggle for freedom. But Malcolm didn't agree with this. Malcolm felt turning the other cheek was a weak strategy that was unacceptable. Malcolm X came from, and and this is why he thought that he came from a black national, black nationalist tradition that does not believe that you could get your freedom your self-respect, your dignity by simply letting someone beat up on you and you do not try to defend yourself. And that's why Malcolm emphasized self-defense. But Dr. King emphasized nonviolence because if blacks had responded, tried to defend themselves, that would have brought the police department down on those demonstrators and whites would have loved to have the chance to kill black people indiscriminately. Um, and not care about it. So Dr. King and Malcolm X had that tension between each other. So there was a disagreement between them two. But here's the question that I have. Why can't we take all of these strategies and combine them into one powerful movement for us to get the things that we want and improve the black community? So one of the This is one of my favorite movies, which is Selma. And if you haven't seen Selma, I suggest you go see it. Um, One of the most insightful parts of that movie was when Martin Luther King and his team were meeting with the student leaders, John Lewis and James Foreman, that were running the grassroots efforts in Selma to get them their rights to vote. And the conflict between Dr. King and these student leaders were that they were there. They were the local hands that invested in the plight of civil rights in Selma. And they were the ones who were day in 
and day out, having to face the realities of that fight. While King and his team were like rock stars coming into town. You know, they, whenever they came in, people flocked to Dr. King and forgot about the student leaders. And when Dr. King would come into town, he would also bring the media with him. They followed Dr. King wherever he went. And this, the, the student leaders didn't agree with this approach. They felt that he was publicizing the civil rights movement and instead of fighting. Now, with them being like rock stars coming into town and bringing the national media, the student leaders felt that they only did this. They would come in only to leave once they were done, leaving the locals holding the bag and faith and having to pick up all the pieces of what happened. And it was easy to see this being the case. And it was pointed out in the movie that this had happened before, which was all Benny. And then Dr. King steps to these two guys, to John Lewis and uh, James uh, Foreman. And he openly admitted that mistakes were made in the previous campaign against a sheriff who was too smart and too composed for them to be effective. He then commands the work these men were doing in the community, but he also identified that his purpose is different than their purpose. And what King and his team did was go into racially charged towns where conflict was imminent in an organized strategic manner that they would negotiate, demonstrate, and resist. They knew that cameras were on them, and they knew that the formula of negotiating, demonstrating, and resisting in the faces of racially bigoted people of power was almost certain to result in violence. And it was this violence which, when caught on camera and broadcast to the nation's stage, would bring about the larger micro-level federal change that would force the hand of local and state policy. Now, this was such an interesting insight for me. It points to something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. The fact that King knew that his role in the civil rights struggle was not the same as the local college leaders, but in executing a strategy of negotiate, demonstrate, and resist to exact the biggest impact was a light bulb that went off in my head while watching the movie. Now, I think to say that the college leaders impact their community is less important than King's contribution is completely inaccurate. Both sides were needed. And that's the thing in the fight for civil rights or any fight that is worth the struggle. Both sides are necessary. In many ways, this scene was a call to action for me to push to have a deeper understanding of what my role is in the battles that I fight as well. And like most everything, it comes down to knowing what we ultimately want. We can be self-reliant and self-dependent, 
we could focus on building up our community and not try to be part of the regular society. We could segregate ourselves like Marcus Garvey and Malcolm X both suggested. We can accept discrimination and concentrate on evaluating, uh, elevating ourselves through hard work and material pros- uh, prosperity like Booker T. Washington proposed. Or we could do like W.E.B. Du Bois and suggest like W.E.B. Du Bois suggested that political action and, so- and a civil rights agenda would achieve the goals that we want. We could do like Malcolm and take what is ours by force, by any means necessary. Or we could do like Dr. King and do a nonviolent direct action and passive resistance to achieve equal civil rights. What if we combine them all? What if we negotiate, demonstrate, and resist? Now, prior to us getting to the negotiation demonstration and the resisting part, we should take the Booker T and Marcus Garvey method and apply it to our community. We must first create a separate economy and society run for and by African-Americans. Now, once we achieved this part, now we hit stage one of, well, that this is stage one, um, creating a separate economy and society ran by us. Now, once we achieve stage one of the plan, then we implement stage two, which is the Dr. King, W.E.B. Du Bois method. We take our collective uh, power and we go to Washington. While in Washington, we're going to meet with members of Congress, the president of the United States, and we are going to negotiate our demands from the American government for our place at the table economically. We also will get into the political system and push our interests through legislation. We will run for office and we will get ourselves into Congress and into the Senate. And that's both at the federal level, the state level, the city level. And we will push our interests through legislation. Now, if they don't want to negotiate with us, then we enter stage three of our attack. We take it to the streets and demonstrate day in and day out. This is the the king approach for this stage. We are going to demonstrate, demonstrate, demonstrate. We're going to get those images onto the TV into the masses. If that doesn't work, and stage two and stage three does not yield the results that we are looking for, then we enter stage four, which is the Malcolm X stage. Resist. By any means necessary, we resist. We fight for what is rightfully ours for the founding of this country the sacrifice of our ancestors for this country, and the treatment we receive in this country. What America does not want us to do is to unite and become a strong force in this country. That is why they fight day in and day out to keep us separated. But 
We cannot remain separated. We must be united in order for this plan to work. So it is what we deserve. And until America feels the true strength of our collective body, they will continue to treat us any old way. They will continue to think that they can get away with a lot of things that they do to us. And we must stop that. So it is time to negotiate, demonstrate, and resist. It is time to put this, these ideals to practice. And I promise you, if we come together, we follow each stage. Stage one, creating our own economic source and being our own society. Number two, negotiating with the federal government for the things that we want. Number three, if they do not accept our negotiation, we demonstrate. We march, we, we, we voice our displeasure day in and day out, however we do it. Whether it's marching in the streets every day, whether it's sit-ins every day, whether another way to demonstrate is to pull our money out of America's economy. That's another way to, de uh, to demonstrate because what we know is money speaks volumes. And if, and if they're not making the money that they used to make, cause we're the, we're the largest spending block in, in this country, even though we are only 13%. So if we take that money and put it into us, into our society, into our economy. Now we have, we have that um, advantage once it comes to negotiation. But demonstration also can be taking money out of the American economy. And then if that don't work, we resist. And another way of resisting is again, taking money out of their economy, but taking what's ours by any means necessary. So it's time. It's time to put to action a plan that's going to get us what we want, whether it is economic, uh, economic justice, whether it's ending police brutality, whether it's ending racial discrimination, whether it is ending um, workforce equality, whatever it is that we want, housing discrimination, we must start negotiating like Dr. King and W.E.B. Du Bois. We need to start demonstrating like Dr. King or Marcus Garvey when it comes to taking money out of the economy and creating our own, or we need to resist like Malcolm X and Marcus Garvey. Well, that's all I got. There ain't no more. My time is tight and that's the end of my show. So grab your hand and make a fist. Listen to me and remember this. I'll tell it to the hot. I'll tell it to the cold. I'll tell it to the young. I'll tell it to the old. 
I don't want no laughing. I don't want no crying. But most of all, no signifying. Tune in next time. This is King Truth Podcast.